0: Listening to another powerful message from C3 Southwest Washington. We are so excited you're here with us, and we believe God has more in store for you. It's great to be at God's house. Appreciate Tyler and Jen and Jenny and worship team. You guys did such an awesome job. Today, we have a very special guest in the house, Pastor Phil Pringle. We're honored to be able to have him. And this came about, uh, we announced this last week, it came about unexpectedly, but within the C3 family, there are some 600 churches. And so if Pastor Phil were to spend one Sunday a week to go to every single one of those churches, it would take him 12 years. And if he did that, he would be in his late 50s by the time he was done with that, and then he would, uh, you know, have to do other stuff. So we're really honored that he would be able to come and grace us, especially since most C3 churches are actually birthed out of other C3 churches Whereas we were an independent church from our launch, but we were in search of a tribe, of a family. And I remember the first time we were introduced into uh, the C3 realm, and and it was like a really weird, surreal experience for me, because I came out of a denominational background that I am thankful for, that I got saved in, that I pastored in, and, uh, and, and really developed me. But after stepping out of that in search for, not a denomination and not a job, but a family, Uh, There's so many places that we looked, but when I visited that very first C3 event, and I stepped into that moment, it was like discovering, you know, your birth parents after you've been separated for a very long time. It was very odd, and we took a number of years to get to know uh, some of the C3 America's pastors and go into different conferences and things along those lines. Uh, Bought one of Pastor Phil's books, began to listen to him online and other speakers and it was just, uh, as we talked about it as a team, uh, a few years back, 2018, going into 19, and we approached C, uh, C3, the C3 director in, of Americas at that time, Pastor Jurgen, and he welcomed us in with open arms, came and visited us, stood on our property, raised his hands like only Jurgen did, can do, prophesied over the property and over this region, and welcomed us into the C3 family. Now, I use that word family very, very specifically. You'll find that when you come here, you're all, everybody's welcome. But we don't invite you to attend our church. We want to welcome you to the family of God and to this local family. Not just this local family, but the C3 family. Uh, Shane and Kim, I know when they go on vacation, a lot of times they end up down in Southern California. And we have a C3 church that's down there. And they see Eddie and his family regularly and send me selfies back. And we have people who travel and are able to enjoy the C3 family. One of the things that I love so much about our C3 family, and Pastor Phil's wife, Pastor Chris, will say this regularly, when you visit a C3 church, you'll know it's a C3 church because you will feel like you are home. And I'm telling you, I've been to a number of C3 churches, and every time, it's like being here. The values, the and that's, that's what makes the C3 family what it is. Now to say that, uh, there's a beautiful thing that you might not experience when you become a part of family. You'll experience it, but you might, might not be able to articulate it. But it's a thing called covering. You know, you were born underneath a certain type of covering. This morning, it began to drizzle for the first time here in our region in like, what, like two months. And outside, I'm doing a renovation on the house, and outside I had set up a tent to protect some tools, and I thought, why am I setting this up? It's not gonna rain. And then this morning when I got up, I watched everything under that tent protected underneath that, that tent, that covering. Now, that stuff under the covering, it's, not, it's, it's inanimate, so it's not celebrating the covering and in the protection, but there is a reality that things underneath the covering experience blessing, or if that tent wasn't staked down and the wind came along, that tent would blow away, then suddenly the valuables underneath the tent aren't protected. Now, when you, we join the C3 family, hear me for a second, we stepped in underneath that covering. And many of you might not be able to see that or experience that in your mind's eye, but I wanna tell you as an orphan stepping into adoption, very profound and very, very, very real, in a real way experience. In fact, it lit some things that were part of us on fire in a good way, and some things that were dormant began to germinate and become strong seeds. And it's been such a great experience. I say that because as you step into this house, you are stepping in underneath family covering, and that's why we welcome you in. There are blessings and there are opportunities and there is favor and anointing that is experienced because you are part of a family, part of covering. Don't just attend a church. Be a part of a family, amen? And it will change your world. That's the intention of God. That's maybe not modern American Christianity, but that's biblical discipleship. We are the family of God, amen? So we're grateful to be able to have Pastor Phil here to be uh, the leader of our family, the father of our family. Uh, With that, if you'd like to get in touch with him or see what he's got going on social media, uh, you can certainly visit him on Instagram or YouTube. There's a number of different ways, uh, but that QR code we'll bring up in just a second. Again, uh, if you take your camera, you shoot that, it will take you to his link tree, and you'll be able to visit him in a number of different ways. Uh, You'll also discover on his website that he has a number of books that you can buy directly Uh, through the website there. We have a few of them on our shelf in the back. We use them for leadership training. Uh, One of my personal favorites, if you want to know which one mine is, it would be either You the Leader or it would be Get the Book Faith that he's written. I've read that book several times. I've used some of it in preaching. It's exceptional. Probably the most recent book, I think, is his book Disciple. And this has been an emphasis that Pastor Phil has been making uh, this year as this book came out. And it's one of the reasons why we've done two series on discipleship we did uh, follow me at the beginning of the year and we just finished up with disciple now it's not the same material that he has in in that book that they'll show on the screen here in a second which is also on the website Um, but get a copy of that book it won't be a repeat of what i preached i've not plagiarized Um, but it it definitely has influenced us in that direction Uh, so with that uh, pastor phil's coming at this time i want you to stand give him a great big applause we're honored to be able to have you in the house thank you for coming sir appreciate it
1: Thank you. Thank you very much. So good to be here. You may be seated. Thank you. Well, so nice to meet many of you last night at the leaders meeting and then uh, a whole bunch more of you today. Welcome to church. And uh, this is actually uh, the first time I've ever been to this city, this Vancouver. But uh, it is a little confusing, correct? (laughs) Because there's a Vancouver just up the road. British Columbia and my mother is from there. She's Canadian. So I'm a half Canadian. She passed away when I was five years old. So I, uh, I never got to know her that much, but certainly I've still got Canadian blood, I think somewhere in my veins and a little bit of Vancouver. So I kind of feel half at home. (laughs) And, uh, how good is Pastor Steve and Rowena Parish? Huh? I'm so thankful to God for these guys because uh, you find out what uh, people are really made of when they're squeezed, you know, when the pressure's on. And uh, I don't know, when you squeeze some people, hydrochloric acid comes out. (laughs) But uh, you squeeze others and you get toothpaste. Uh, Well, you get honey or whatever comes out. And we don't know really who we are until the pressure's on. And... uh, Actually, in the selection of leaders in the New Testament, it says, you know, let them go through a trial first. Let them be first proven and uh, and see how they do under under pressure, under a test. But it's great to see you all here because you've been through quite a few tests with COVID and then a few other little lumps and bumps in church history. But church is church, people. Uh, I mean, if you're honestly looking for a perfect church, please don't come here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're, you're going to find all kinds of deals. I mean, thank you, Pastor, for speaking so uh, highly of our movement, which I'm so proud of and thank God for every day, most days. And uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a challenging thing. I mean, if you've ever been a pastor, it's kind of interesting pastoring people. But uh, when you're leading a movement, you're pastoring pastors, and that's a whole nother level. It's like herding cats. They, uh, <laughs> it's just impossible. And uh, they, uh, all you got to do is, is trust in the loyalty and the, the good heart of the people you're leading. And people like Pastor Steve and Rowena have that really good heart. Yeah. And it's been proven through all kinds of fiery tests and fiery trials. And thank you for staying together and standing strong. Because the future of this church... Yeah. Is going to be built on this foundation, and, and it is it is a painful thing when you're a pastor. I've been a pastor for 50 years, and seen everything that you can see in church life. And one of the most painful things is when God starts to actually clean your church up. Hey, God, just leave them alone. You know, I can put up with them. You know, I just but they they get they go. They you know like something offends them. They get triggered. They get uh, upset about some deal. And see you later. And, and you wish it wouldn't, ha- wouldn't happen. But I've found that if I try to hang on to them, I'm just hanging on to a problem. And I'm hanging on to a blockage to growth. Yeah. So what happens is that there, there is a filtering process that God takes us all through. And eventually, He starts to build a church on that. And I can tell you, the future of C3 Vancouver is incredible. There is the, you, you are going to expand to the right and to the left. And you're going to expand with really solid, great people. And then other people who are struggling in life, they're going to find their way in here. And they'll see a lot of a lot of uh, people that they can become like. And you'll give them a model, an image that they can live up to, not one to live down to. So I'm glad to be here today. And, uh, and it was kind of like a, an unusual set of circumstances that, that got me here. But I am so thrilled that uh, I was able to grab a couple of days and wander on up to... Uh, the bright, am, am I in Washington? Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, that, that name C3SWWW or whatever, South it, Washington. West Washington, yeah. It's oh, wow, well, it's, uh, it's great though. Uh, so here I am in Washington, right, not Portland. People say, are you going to Portland? I said, yeah. And then they said, no, you're not going to Portland. But Seth Brooks is down in Portland, right? Yeah, God bless him. Yeah. You stay down there in Portland, put <laughs> He's an Australian. He deserves it. And uh, <laughs> thank you, Jesus. Well, I'm gonna uh, talk around a, a matter here. That's it's. Uh, I love this story, and it's in Luke chapter five, and uh, and this is a story that we'll travel through. It's about Jesus expanding. Believers into a whole new world of thinking. And so uh, if you've got a Bible or if you haven't, just read what's on the screen. So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. This is, uh, is kind of cool because people are really hungry to hear him preach. And they're, they're so hungry that they're pushing him down towards the lake. They're just pressing in. It is—it's uh, interesting on a, on a on a really cold American Chicago evening, with snowing, just pouring down snow, and you go outside the cheese factory, and there are people lined up and sitting in seats waiting for a spare seat, and they'll wait for an hour in the snow for a cheap piece of cheesecake food. I think I'm yet to see that in church where the snow is pouring down outside and people are lining up just waiting to get in. That's these guys. They heard Jesus talking. And they said, man, I'm hungry for that. I want, I want the Bible. I want Scripture. I don't just want a motivational message. I don't just want something inspirational. I, I want, I'm hungry for, for that word. And the beautiful thing about the Scripture is that the more you eat of it, the greater appetite you get for it. It's not like you eat it and think, oh, I'm full now. That's it. But actually, as you read the Word, you get an appetite for it. On the other hand, the less you read it, the more distaste for it you get, and the less likely you are to read it. So it's, it's an interesting thing that you can lose the taste for God. And, and the Bible says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. That is the only way that you're ever going to know know what the Lord's like. I mean, if I said to you, tell me what a banana tastes like. Come on, give it a shot. You can't do it. Can you describe what a banana, you'll say it tastes like a banana. If I've never tasted a banana, (laughs) I don't know what it tastes like. (laughs) Try and taste it. It's musty. It's got a sweet look. You cannot do it. There's only one way. You're going to communicate to me what a banana tastes like. I put it in my mouth and I eat the thing. So that's the only way you're ever going to discover what God tastes like. You actually have to taste God. You actually have to draw near to Him, feel that presence of God on you. And you say, wow, this is indescribable. But I can introduce other people to that. And there are maybe 30 different values in the culture of C3. One of them, a big one, is the presence the presence of the Lord. So when you come into church, it's like you've, you've come beyond a veil. You've gone through into the holy place. There's something in that time of worship, which you guys brought us into this morning. And these people are pressing on Jesus to hear the word of God. And he saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets, <coughs> which is a good thing to do. If you're a fisherman, you got to wash your nets. Get rid of all the Coca-Cola bottles, the, 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 the fish bones, the dead fish, all that. The, I mean, <coughs> and, and these nets for the church are networks. Like you, you will have a relationship on this side, on this side. You'll have somebody over you and somebody you're responsible for that's what the net of the church is. And if you get breaches in relationships, people just swim right on through. Like if I've, if I've got a worship director and, and I say, look, I want to sing that song right now. And they go, oh, I want to sing that song. We didn't practice it. Well, I got a breach in the relationship and he's lost his job. And uh, <laughs> if he gets attitude, then... You know, we, we we got a difficulty. we got a problem. And so, and, so you, and, and then people see breaches in the church and it really doesn't attract them. It doesn't hold them. But when we work at keeping our relationships together, yeah. Yeah. and it's, it's not always easy, right? Uh, I, mean, I mean, number one, I've been married for 52 years. Yeah. I know I look like 40, but the fact is I've been married for 52 years. Uh that's my greatest achievement in life. Uh it's not hers because I'm easy to live with, uh, but <laughs> as you can see, I'm quite humble too. The, but the the deal is uh staying married, you gotta know how to how to how to be perfect. And when Jesus said, I want you to be perfect, even as my father and Heaven is perfect. Well, for goodness sake, Jesus, that's ridiculous. I like everything else you said, but I dropped the Bible at that point. I said, how can anybody be perfect? But then I did a little study on that word. And it doesn't mean that you never make a mistake. It means that you have the ability to repair and adjust. Two words, repair, adjust, which means when... When I do something stupid, which I very rarely do, my wife, you know, it's, it's another story. But, you know, we, we somebody's got to say sorry. Oh, it's so hard, isn't it? That taste of humble pie, I've never gotten used to it. But, but to say, look, I'm an idiot, I'm sorry, oh, I should not have done that, please, forgive me. Uh, and then you got to do the, the other side, you got to say, yeah, I forgive you, I let it go. You can't be carrying an attitude. So, yeah, well, you should never do, have yeah, done. That's not how you repair. You repair by saying, I'm sorry. And you say, I forgive you. We're done. And we move on. We don't bring it up again in another argument tomorrow. Right, right, right yeah, just when you. Because forgiveness is to forget. Say, it's gone. The other one is adjusting. Adjusting. Okay, so she wants to, you know, she wants to go sort of shopping. I go buying. I don't go shopping. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. I I know. I I will take half an hour on this one. It's like Chris goes shopping. Girls go shopping. They they look around. They try on. It's like, oh, it's endless. And uh, I think I want to buy this. I ignore all the other things. I buy it. Thank you. See you. Go back to the car. I'm gone. For her, that's just like boring. So i got to make an adjustment. I see you go shopping. I'll sit here and have a coffee. You know, like I won't come with you because I'll get cranky and then we'll just have a fight. And so let's avoid all that and just, just organize our relationship so that it works. Yeah. Because if you don't do that, if you don't organize your relationship but expect that you got to be able to do everything, it, it isn't going to work. Okay, so we play tennis. Well, I tried to play tennis once. It's like Monopoly, you know. I mean, I, I'm not competitive, but I do have to win. And so, <laughs> So, I'm serving on tennis. Whack! I used to win tennis games on my serve, okay? He goes, you know, what's that? All right. Don't patronize me. You can't win. Like I'm going to do a server, I'm going to do this, you know. Monopoly, the board goes up, you're not going to buy another hotel. So there are two things we don't do. Tennis and monopoly. There's plenty of other things you can do in life. So organizing the relationship, parking the car, that's another, let's not even talk about that. There are all kinds of things that, Adjust. Be perfect means to repair and adjust. So to keep that network where we can put out a net, called a connect group or a dinner party or whatever, the whole church, we need to work on those little moments that where we, we kind of got upset with one another and we, we smooth it out. We, we get right. Okay, so these guys are washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land and he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. Okay, so this is, this is a really cool thing. Jesus didn't have a microphone or amplification system, but he did have a lake. And he knew that speaking from a boat across a lake kind of amplifies sound. So he taught the people for quite a while, and then he was done. And when he stopped speaking in verse 4, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. So this is... This is one of those moments where obedience and faith come into play. And Peter's got an answer for Jesus. He says, Simon answered and said to him, Master, we've worked hard all night, toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish. All right, so here is Peter objecting to Jesus, saying, hey, Look, you can borrow my boat, but don't tell me how to do my job. You're a carpenter. I'm a fisherman, right? There's no fish out there. We have worked hard all night and caught nothing. And that's, that's, a, that's a reasonable reason to not even ma- make an attempt. Because he's got a natural mindset on. And the fact is that for many of you, you might have worked hard all night and caught nothing. You might have worked hard trying to get somebody to, to Christ. And, and it's been through the darkest times and end up with nothing. You might have tried your business and worked hard all through the dark times and still it didn't work. And uh, I talk with a lot of leaders, a lot of pastors, a lot of business leaders, and many of them have worked hard and gone through all kinds of things and have ended up with nothing. But that's the point where God wants to speak into your world. When you've come to the end of yourself, that's where God God begins in your your story. And so they said, we've done the best we could. So here is Peter and Jesus is saying to him, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Nets, plural. Now I know that Peter is pretty upset with Jesus because he only takes one net. So he's patronizing Jesus. He so, all right, I'll humor you. We're, we're, we're. And he's, he's rowed out in his boat, grumbling. I, it's a stupid idea, fine, oh, Jesus. What would he know about fishing? I'll just go out in the shallows and what would he know? He, he's fishing, he's a carpenter. I said, the deep, Peter. Deep, you want deep? <laughs> I'll give you deep. So he's off. Into the middle of the lake, for goodness' sake! <clears throat> and he says, "See, there are no fish." And he throws the net out, and then, he's got a catch. And he looks down, there's a whole school of tuna have come into the fi- into the net and pushing along. And he's trying to hold on to it. Then there's a whole school of snapper come in, and then there's a a, a white orca whale come. Pow! Pow! comes in. There's a whole school of dolphin trying to get their noses in there. There's a flock of geese flying down to get in there. There's all kinds of fish flying into this net. In the end, they're just pulling him around. He's like skiing on the front of his boat, going around Lake Galilee. That's a tad exaggerated, but (laughs) (coughs) the deal is they crunch up on the shore and he's on his knees. And he said, Forgive me, Jesus. I, I never believed something like this could happen. And all it took was for Peter to agree with God against his own wishes. His own thinking was like, This could never happen. This can't be. And there are a lot of things that happen in our lives where we don't think it's possible. Like you can think, you got a medical situation. It's never possible. The doctor said this thing's incurable. Or you've got a family who are just so against God and don't want anything to do with Christ. But the fact is, God is the God of the impossible. Now, faith is imperative in your life to move God. God doesn't move in response to need or sincerity or urgency. Okay, so you might say, God, I really need this to happen. I so need the money for this. I don't need the house. I so need. He ain't going to come. If, he, if God only responded to need, he wouldn't have gotten to America. He would have stopped off at India or Ethiopia or somewhere. Where the need is great. No, and sincerity. Oh, God, I just really, really mean this. I really so want this to happen. I ain't going to move God. A lot of sincere prayers. Urgency. God, this has to happen now. If it doesn't happen now, the bank are going to... Whatever. I mean, trying to manipulate God to your calendar, it just won't work. The one thing that God moves in response to is faith. So when you start to say, I'm going to believe God, I believe you'll move in this way of my life. And the fact is, faith is like a switch. It's you've you got to find that switch. Now, I don't know if you ever had a, flow, a fuse blow out in your house. Like a storm comes, pff, the whole house goes dark. you got your torch, you're going out to the fuse box, out the side of the garage, cobwebs and rain and everything there, and you, you're looking up under the thing and you find the switch, and boom, it all goes back on. Well, the fact is you will find your faith gets switched off like a fuse gets blown through no fault of yours, a storm can come. And you go, ah, this is terrible. And it just blows your faith out. So you have to intentionally then go and say, I'm gonna start believing God in this impossible circumstance. I'm gonna start expecting that God is gonna do something. So let me give you, let me give you really clear steps of how you how you move in faith. Number one, you desire it. So you you really it's not like you're going to, you want it because somebody else has got it. You're saying, I want this to happen. Yeah. I want for the blessing. When you pray for somebody else and you're praying in faith, you're going to say, I really want them to be blessed. Yes. If it's an enemy, Jesus said, pray for your enemies. Lord, I really want to get that want in there's kind of hard, right? when they' when they're against you. Sure. I really want them to be blessed with a brick. <laughs> you know it's, it, It's like getting your wants right. And the second thing is desire, is decision. So I want that to happen, my desire. Now I'm going to decide. It's going to happen. Because the double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And James says he will not receive anything from the Lord. So when you go, oh God, I don't know. And a lot of people feel like the will of God is, is, is like a big bogey. It's a giant. It's, it's, it's horrible, it's, it's hard to find. It's like God's got both hands behind his back and saying, which hand is my will in? And you go like, oh, the right is, no, it's not. And you go like, oh God, I, I don't know what to do because what is your will? Am I meant to have the yellow one or the blue one? He says, sweetheart, I don't care. You choose. Make a choice. Make a decision. He's given you the power of free will. So somewhere along the line, you got to make a choice. Don't be saying, oh, whatever's the will of God, that's going to happen. No, it won't. The will of God happens because we make it happen. It's not, he's not going to overrule your will to make it happen. So make a choice. Say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to marry that girl. I'm going to buy that house. I'm going to start that business. I'm going to get that job. And once you've made a decision you find the faith comes on the inside of you. You get momentum. I find a lot of believers are treading water, immobilized, paralyzed, because they're waiting for the will of God to sort of dump on them from the, from the sky. But the fact is, God's waiting for you to make a move. Here's the fact. You're saying, well, well I don't know, I don't know wh- what I'm meant to do. When you make a move, you'll get guidance. And the reason I did that is because as soon as my car's moving, I start staring. Right. But when my car is parked in the garage, if you saw me in there, go, mm-hmm. you think, poor pastor. <laughs> Pressure's a little high for him. <laughs> Nobody steers a stationary car. Right. Right. Yeah. You get guidance when you start moving, when you pick up the phone to call, talk to the person. Well, don't be th- sitting there thinking, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? Just start dialing. What am I going to write? What am I going to write? Just start writing. As you start doing, you'll find that God starts moving with you. And I've found that I take a step, God takes a step. I, I look for the building, he, he opens the door. I step out to buy the house, He op- opens the door for a bank loan or whatever. There is one step after another, it starts to take place. The third step is that you ask God. You say, God, I, I would like this to happen. I want this to happen. I've decided I'm going to make it happen. I want you to move with me and bring it to pass. And so oftentimes when you ask for a thing, it doesn't happen the first time. And for some people they go like, oh, well, that can't have been the will of God. But the fact is God wants you to pray with perseverance. He wants you to be like somebody who breaks through because you went again and again and again. And He gives example after example of this. Like there's the guy who knocks on the door in the middle of the night and the friend says, go away. And he keeps on knocking, keeps on knocking. And the guy says, all right, I'll give you what you want. And the Lord says, this is how faith prays. I don't know if you remember the widow story of the little widow woman. She comes, she, she's got a problem and a judge who's judging her case has been paid off. He's, he's an unjust judge. And she's this little widow woman, the most defenseless, vulnerable person in the whole land. Well, her husband's died, obviously. She's a widow. And and probably the block of land he had belonged to his family. Now the brother in law wants to claim the block of land. And the widow's saying, No, it's my land. I was his wife. So it's a matter for the judge to decide. So the guy pays off the judge, gives him a thousand bucks. And in comes the little lady, first case. Doors open, she comes, stands before the judge, he goes, What's the matter? She says, he's claiming my land. My husband died, it was our land, and he thinks it's his family's. He says, bang, I rule in favor of him, he's got the land. She goes, ah, she's screaming making a whole scene in the, in the... She says, you can't do that. That's my block of land. You not do And the judge is saying, don't behave like that in my courtroom. Pick her up. take her out. So they pick her up and arms and legs are going everywhere. They go out through the door and they're gone. Judge wipes his balance. That was, was kind of crazy. So the next morning, he says, first case. Door's open. Down she comes. He says, what are you doing here? She says... Judge, I want you to change your mind. That block of land belongs to me. He says, "I am never going to change my mind." Woman, once I've made my decision, that's it. We're done. Then she's screaming and yelling. Said, Come on, Judge! You got to make it. Make the right decision. You know that's the wrong decision. But they pick her up. They take her out, arms, legs, everything. Boom! Out through the door. Well, that night, poor old Judge doesn't sleep so well. He has a dream. This woman coming in. He keeps waking up. So in the morning, he's he's a little bleary eyed. Under under, he, he gave up smoking twenty years ago, but he picks up a pack of Marlboro on the way, just to calm himself down. And he walks into the courtroom. He's sitting there, it's his first case. Doors open, and she comes. He says, what are you doing here? Woman, I've already ruled against you. He says, you know, Judge, that's a wrong decision. That block of land is mine. It belongs to my family. You cannot be giving it to my brother. You made the wrong decision. He goes, get her out of here. They pick her up, carry her out. She's gone. Whew. Judge is now shaking. His hands are shaking. On the way home, he picks up a bottle of whiskey as well. Another pack of cigarettes. He's trying to calm down. Takes an early mark. He goes home. He's, he doesn't sleep that well that night. Next morning, he arrives late at the courtroom. It's like 11 o'clock. He hasn't shaven. He's got black eyes under his back. He's got a, a bottle of vodka, and so they think it's water. He's got that there. And, and, and he looks, looks there. Whoops, he's still got his pajamas on it. It's his first case. In she comes. He's got My woman, you're driving me nuts. She just keeps doing this every day. Until finally the judge goes, woman, all right, all right, all right. I'm going to reverse my decision. And he turns it around. The fact is perseverance won the day. Faith isn't just believing for a moment. It's getting up again when you've been rejected. It's getting up again when you've been refused. It's getting up again when you've failed. It's getting up again after you've fallen down and stumbled and maybe made a a horrible, horrible mistake in your life. The fact is faith When you switch it on, it says, I'm going to do this. I can do this. I'm going to beat this thing. I'm going to persevere. I'm going to get over this problem. It's not going to beat me. I'm going to beat it. And you can do it. As soon as you make the decision to do a thing like that, the power of God will be with you. That's number three. I got seven of these. Is this helping you? Number four. Number four, you got to receive it you gotta, you got to receive the future reality in your present now. Yeah. So, it's like you give birth to something on the inside of you. So, if I'm in here in this church, I'm praying a thousand people in a thousand seat auditorium. Yeah. People coming in, getting saved, like 25, 50 a week. So I start to see that, speak it. I gestate. I, if you like, I, I start to, to look after, incubate that dream on the inside. When my wife and I went to our daughter's second child's uh, pregnancy, uh, we went to the medical center and they get the, the jelly on the belly, <laughs> and put the the, uh, not Instagram sonogram, <laughs> right, over. And you look up on the screen, and there's this little little baby in there, right? And you think, whoa, that's inside. You you can't see it, but it's up there. Now, if I come to you, that's because she had received in herself a child. If I come to you, and I put my spiritual sonogram across your spirit, what comes up on the screen? What do you got on, on the inside of you that's going to be in the future right now? For a lot of us, there's nothing there because we, we just haven't prayed about that. We haven't, we're just leaving it all up to God. But he says, I want to give birth to a substance on the inside of you so that you'll walk by faith. You walking by the, the substance on the inside of you. And so when you, when you pray, and I've had all kinds of things in here. I've had houses, churches ministries, all kinds of things, church buildings. I got stuff in there now, which is none of your business. But the, the, <laughs> the deal is that we, we live, but that's what faith is. It's the substance. For a lot of people, fear is what has given birth to stuff in there. Like the doctor says, what did your dad die of? Oh, right. What did your grandfather? Oh, same thing. Well, probably. And you got this fear based on logic about your future. And when you look into the future, you see negativity. And it just reads back into you bad chemicals in your body. What you think on, what you think on releases chemicals in your body. There's no doubt about it, Pastor. Yeah. Like if I, if I come to you right now, do you have Granny Smith apples here? Yeah. <laughs> you know, those big sour kind of sweet, bruh, like, Oh, the, the taste put your teeth on edge, right? And uh, you bite into it so hard, it feels like your teeth are gonna fall out and crunch. And you pulled it out of the, the freezer, out of the, the veggie part of the fridge. And you got all this dribbling down here. Okay, so right now, some of you have got saliva coming out under your tongue. And you got no apple in your hand. And I've just been talking about an apple, but it's put something in your imagination and that releases chemicals. Like when you're dreaming about the boogeyman coming to get you and you wake up and you're sweating. There's no boogeyman. It's in your head. So what's in your head is actually putting chemicals through your body. But it's not only that, it's creating something in your spiritual world around you. It's attracting and repelling Certain spiritual forces. If you're dwelling on the negative and dwelling in fear, it's going to attract the spirit of fear. Because you will find the spiritual world will amplify whatever you're choosing to dwell on and to live in. And what you feed on with your eyes and with your ears, spiritual power is going to amplify that. So that's why you don't look at some stuff and you look at the Bible. Because when you're looking at the Bible, the Holy Spirit is going to amplify that to your, to your spirit. And you're going to find your truth comes on the inside of you. So you got to receive it. And then you need to see it. You need to see it. When we were building our building in Sydney, I'm trying to figure out what time. Is that saying like i got 49 seconds left? That clock needs to get saved. It's a lying clock. Yeah, right. <laughs> You get yourself down on this altar, yeah all right i got I got another three points to get through here, and we got to get Peter back on the back on the land out of his boat, you know right yeah, yeah, I'll be quick, and it'll be it won't hurt too much either uh, I'm standing like trying to get uh, our church building through council authorized we bought the land one point one million dollars worth for uh, Eleven acres, and the council would not approve us to go build a church on it for eight years, three submissions all rejected. We were on the six o 'clock news because we were a very big church, attracted a lot of attention and and uh, it was a very big building. We started out with five thousand seats and then we kept having to reduce it because because the council just was never, never going to uh, look at us and so I would uh, and we had all these people petitioning. Like 40,000 signatures saying, we don't want them to build that building there. And and so the public and the news and everybody was against us. And, And I would go down in the middle of that field in the weeds. When the weeds were taller than this building. And there were dead horses and old tractors. It was just a horrible piece of land. And I would start, I would figure out where the pulpit was and I'd start preaching to the people. I could see them. Even though there's just weeds and chicken sheds in front of me, I could see people. Thousands of people. And then they'd, they'd come down the altar I'd shake their hands, say, hey, nice to see you. Now, if you'd kind of crept through the weeds and saw me doing that, you'd think, oh, poor pastor. Well, I could see them. Once you've seen them, they can't not happen. And when you see them, you speak it. It's number six. When you see them, you've got to speak it and say, I see this. And you, you put the Word of God with your prophecy. What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive it, you shall have it. Have faith in God. Fear not, for I am with you, says the Lord. And I'd see that and I'd say, fear not, for I am with you, says the Lord. This will happen. I see these people coming. After the eight years of persevering, getting hit down, up again, hit down, up again, finally we got approval. And it was a unanimous decision from the council. So I rang up the prime minister of our nation, like your president, and I said, would you come and open our church building? And he said, all of his advisors said, don't do it. He said, yeah, I'd love to. So he came and opened up. First first time a prime minister in Australia had opened up a Pentecostal church in Australia and in, in the history. And all the crowds came and all the people who had been against us were sitting on the front row. I kind of felt gloaty that day, you know. <laughs> There's some other words I can't say. I'm in church. You know, it's like... But it was a, definitely, it was the, the day that God turned the tables. But you've got, to, you've got to decide, I'm going to believe God. It's not just having a mental acquiescence to a truth. It's an active thing. And then the final, the final deal is act it. So we mean desire it, decide it, ask it, receive it, see it, speak it, act it. Seven steps of faith, which are in that faith book that your pastor referred to. And the last one is exactly what this guy Simon was doing. He was acting faith. In spite of his doubts. You can have some doubts, but at least do what God is telling you to do. And you may not always be full of confidence, but do it afraid. Just go ahead and step out on the water and you will find that God is with you. And if you do fail the first time, get up again. If you fail the second time, get up again. If you fail the third time, get up again. I mean, I admire Adam and Eve. Like, Like they had two children, right? Two boys, Cain and Abel. And, you know, uh, I've had three kids. And our kids, they'd have days when they'd fight. But when your kids start killing each other, that's kind of dysfunctional, right? <laughs> and you would have to think, I'm not sure about our parenting skills, Eve. We might have, we might have blown it here. We lost, one, one of our kids killed the other and then we, the other one left home. as a vagabond. But Adam said, hey, let's have another go. You got to admire that, don't you? You know, it says Adam knew Eve again. Like they they messed up, it would look like. But they said, "Let's, let's have another shot. Let's go again. Don't let failure defeat you. It's part of the journey. Faith gets up again. Faith, listen to me, part of the journey of faith is failure. You got to understand that part of faith's journey is failure. And that is what's something that parents and teachers are trying to protect young people from by giving them participation awards. Like you turned up to play soccer. Here's a participation award. You know, that's kind of nice, but when you're at the real estate office and you don't win the deal, the boss isn't going to come and say, oh, here's a participation award. (laughs) He's going to say you're fired or else, uh, you know, welcome to the real world. You failed. you got to make this good. you got to actually... Get up again and failure. We're going to fail. I have got, people say he's got a lot of successes. I got way more failures than I have successes. Because that's part of life. That's where you develop a thing called emotional resilience. The ability to get up again with with a great attitude and not just lie around whimpering for the rest of your life, wishing that the world would do some good to you. Actually, God has said, hey, stand up. Start walking, that's believe God, and you're going to find yourself becoming a whole person. I'll set you free. So that's the journey of faith. And when Peter finally came to land and he's on the shore, he says, God, I never believed something like this could happen for me. Jesus says, Peter, you got to understand, this isn't about fish. He said, from here on, you're going to catch people. And so in many churches and many families and many individuals that have said, we've worked hard all night and caught nothing. You've tried to witness to that person. You've tried to reach that person for Christ and it didn't work. But that doesn't mean that you give up. That doesn't mean that you stop because there will come a day when that person is ready to actually reach out and have Christ come in their life. There is a day when that job is going to come to you. There is a day when that business is going to work. And the fact is, Peter Peter said, Jesus, uh, uh, thank you for blessing my business. It's overflowing. My God, I got more fish than I ever had any other day. And Jesus says, this isn't about fish, Peter. This is about people. From here on in, I'm going to transform you so that this church will be a magnet for people. This church will be a compelling church. So that individuals will find themselves inextricably finding their way into the house of God in Jesus' name. Just as I finish today, I want us all just to close our eyes for a second. Some of you might never have asked Jesus into your life. Some of you might have been away from God and you need to come back. Some of you just not sure you're going to heaven. You go to church, but you're not sure if you're going to heaven. My friend, if you've never asked Jesus to come into your life, in a couple moments, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Or if you're coming back to Christ, I want you to do the same. I want you to raise your hand. Or if you're just not sure you're going to heaven, I want you to do the same thing. So right now, wherever you are in this room, if you've never asked Jesus into your life, or if you've been away from God and you're coming back, or if you just want to make sure you're going to heaven, right now, wherever you are, would you raise your hand? Just put it up high in the air. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I see your hands. God bless you. Down the back, I see your hand. Okay, guys, can I ask you to look this way? Uh, in a couple seconds, we're all going to stand. Those of you who raised your hand, I want you to step out of your seat. Come to the front. I'm going to pray for you. So let's all stand right now. And those of you who raised your hand, would you do that? I want to shake your hand and pray for you down the front here. Just come right now. And why don't we give these people a big hand. Yeah, welcome these guys as they come. Yeah. yeah. Hi. God bless you. God bless you. Good to see you. God bless you. Good to see you. Yeah. So good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just just face me. Just face me. Round this way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, was there anybody else who raised their hand? You haven't come yet? I want you to come. Just step out of your seat. Don't be, don't be embarrassed or afraid or think, what do these people think? We just love you. Yeah, we think you're magnificent. So I'm waiting for you. If, you, if you're feeling like, I, I want to I make that journey down the front, just step out. Just come right now. And uh, we'll pray for you. And uh, God will touch your life. If you put your hand up and you haven't come, or even if you didn't put your hand up and you thought, I really should do this. Your heart's pounding You're thinking, oh, God, I need to step out. Just, uh, I'm waiting for you. I'll wait another couple seconds, couple moments. For anybody else, if you've never made that choice, yeah, just come. Come on, welcome this girl. Yeah, give her a big hand. Yeah, yeah. Or oh, you're with him. Ah, oh, and you were going to leave him all on his own. Yeah. I'm so glad you're looking after him. Yeah, maybe another, another person. You just, you know, still need to come and. Make that decision. Say, yeah, I want, I want to have Jesus coming into my life. I want to make sure I'm going to heaven. There's not a more important decision that you need to make today about where you go when you die. We don't just annihilate. We're still alive. Even more alive than we are now. So if there's one more person, please, just come. I'm, I'm about to pray with these These amazing people. Yeah. Hi. What's your name? Pauline. I love that name. Do you know the letters of Paul? I call it the Pauline epistles. You do know that. Thank you, Jesus. Well, guys, we're going to pray. And I would like you to say these words to God after me, all of you. Do you know each other? What are you? Is your brother? You look so alike. <laughs> you don't look anything alike. Okay. And this? You're his wife? Is your sister-in-law? Are you, are you coming too? Oh, you're here to look after these people. Okay. Well, I'm so pleased to meet you all. Oh, I want you to say these words to God after me. Can you close your eyes, please? Say, Dear God in heaven, I ask Jesus Christ to come into my life. I ask to be born again. Cleanse me from all sin. Forgive me. Receive me. I repent. I receive Jesus as my Savior and as my Lord. Thank you, God, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Heavenly Father, I praise you for each of these lives. I pray for Pauline. I pray for this family. Lord God, that your hand would be upon them. I pray for the brother. Lord, touch this young man. Help him follow Jesus. Help Chuck follow Christ live for God. In Jesus' name, bless this young lady. The anointing of your Holy Spirit touches these lives today. Now yeah, let the hand of God come upon them. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Pauline, you're going to be all right. You know, uh, whatever's been attacking you in the past, in Jesus' name, I renounce it, block it, and stop it. Oh, good. I'm glad I gave you some answers. Well, the biggest one is Jesus. He's going to help you, and He's going to heal the wounds in your heart. He doesn't, he doesn't break a bruised reed. He blows on the smoldering wick and he'll get you on fire again. It's joy instead of despair. In Jesus' name, amen. You're blessed. You all right? Yeah, well done. We're in a tighter church. I'm impressed. Thank you, Jesus. What have you done to your hand? but it's a bit sprained. Okay. Well, thanks, guys. You may be seated. Somebody's going to look after you. I just want to, I'm just going to take another couple minutes. Yeah, you can go and, and be seated. I'm, just stay standing, everybody. I'm going to be like like two minutes, and then I'm done. Uh, if you are uh, feeling like you're facing an impossible circumstance, just, just raise your hand. Just raise your hand right now. I'm going to pray for the power of God to touch your life, to set you free. Heavenly Father, I believe that you will touch that gentleman, Lord, back there, and that woman by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you'll make possible what is impossible. In the name of Jesus, Father, a miracle's gonna happen in these lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord God. There's a person here with really uh, sharp pain in your neck uh, that you can't turn your head around, by the way, and it's, it's like a permanent thing. Who is that? The Holy Spirit's going to bring healing to you right now, wherever you are. Just reach out to God. Thank you. In Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you for healing by the power of the Holy Spirit taken away today in Jesus name I got one last little uh, inclination that I want to pray for if there's anybody here who uh, a couple been trying to have children and it hasn't happened would you raise your hand can you come down here and I'll pray for you I'm sorry, I don't mean to make you cry. Are you together? Okay. I I was going to say, guys. I was going to say, guys. Guys. Guys, guys. Yeah. Whoa. There's a lot of things I'm not good at, but I'm really good at this. I have a lot of babies all around the world. I know that doesn't sound right, but... I don't know why, but I pray for a lot of people with this situation. And, uh, yeah, we see We see some amazing miracles. Father God, thank you. This couple will have children. Yes. In the name of Jesus, they will have children. Yes. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you'll work with them. And get working what isn't working, Lord God. I thank you for healing now. There's healing for this couple. By the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Thanks for being with us today. Be sure to like and subscribe and visit us at C3SWWA.com for more information about our church.